get through this tonight, but I just want to give the the church kind of my heartbeat of 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 why and uh, uh, I've been doing some things that I have. Been, I, you know, I I hear kind of the the questions of well, why are we doing this and why are we spending money on that and and uh, so I I just want you to understand the heartbeat of your pastor and even with these chairs right here this isn't so that look what we have done look what look at our church that's not what this is about this is about growth this is about uh, uh, revival this is about souls if we believe that we are in revival and if we believe that that growth is coming we're not just talking about it if we believe this is going to happen if you truly believe in your heart that's what these chairs are about these chairs are about souls it's about bringing people in bringing the lost reaching the harvest reaching the lost and having a place to put them so i want to give you something that's been on my heart and what god has been been dealing with me on and Zachary, I didn't write my scriptures down, so if you can just put them up for all of us to read, it'd be quicker just for me to see it and read it and, and um, instead of me turning and, and trying to find it. But uh, studying in the in the book of, of Mark, uh, chapter number four, four, 26. Go ahead and go ahead and put that up. We'll we'll get started reading reading on that. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed shall sprout and grow he himself does not know in other words the the, the farmer spreads the seed out now he he doesn't know he can't say yes this is going to happen uh, the, the seed is going to grow. He doesn't know what's going to happen. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle. And this is what I want to focus on because the harvest has come. So in other words, he, he, he planted, he waited, the crops uh, have grown and now it's time to go to action because the harvest has come I want the church to know that there are times that God does lead people to the church I've heard testimonies of how God uh, instilled on somebody or or touched somebody's heart or mind as they're passing the church and they decided to come in and see what it's all about but for the most part growth comes when we are out talking and visiting and praying with people, it comes when we get into action. So if we're waiting for souls just to walk through the doors, we will never see the growth that God has promised. But he's waiting on us. Remember, he told the church to go. He told the disciples, go. That's the commandment to the church. Go and make disciples. Go teach go and and preach the gospel well we have to understand that uh that god is a faithful god i will say this past two weeks god has shown himself so faithful to me personally and god is true god is very true 
I find myself blessed these past couple of weeks personally, financially with my business, and, and, and with my family. All around, God has proved himself time and time and time again how faithful he is and how blessed we are. But we have to understand that God is not a God of chaos. If there's chaos in your life, it's not God-given. Because our God is a God of order. And I want you to understand, God places order in the physical realm, and God places order in the spiritual realm. Now, we, we look at, at things, and there's some, there's some laws that are in place. Uh, physical laws and, and, and spiritual laws because all of this order that God has placed in the spiritual realm and the physical realm are laws they're set nothing changes them okay and they're in action even right now today in this church you can't break them okay you can't break these physical laws and you can't break these spiritual laws I'll put it this way, okay? A man steps off a 20-story building and says, I am going to break the law of gravity. I'm going to defy the law of gravity. He's going to step off and understand that what breaks is his neck. What breaks are some bones, okay? He, he can say, I don't believe in the law of gravity, and I'm, I'm just going to do this anyway. But you see, there are laws that are in place that... that cannot be broken. They're set. And it goes for, for spiritual laws. They're, we say we can break the Ten Commandments. But I think we're broken when we don't obey the Ten Commandments. So people could say that they don't believe in these laws and, and they're not going to obey these laws. The, the thing is, something's going to help. so good with turning my phone off tonight and there's a million people that wanted to talk to me so blame them. I'm sorry. I apologize. But I want to tell you uh, that there are laws in our life that are in effect right now. Okay? You may not want to obey the speed limit but trust me, you do want to obey the speed limits. I found out the hard way. My wallet got a little bit thinner because I thought I could disobey those uh, laws. But I want to talk about a law that is in place with the church called there are laws of the harvest. There are things that are set in place that are, are, are in place and ordained by God himself. And we are going to go over some of these laws tonight to see where we are and where the church is and, and how this affects us. Because as we read in our, our, our scripture text that it's up to the, the, the farmer, the sower of the seed, to, to, to plant those seeds. He can't make that seed grow. There's nothing he can do. It, there are going to be some things that have to happen for that seed to grow. We as a church, you as an individual, every day of your life, we are planting seeds. You may not know it, but by your attitude, by your love, by your words, and by your deeds. You may not even know it, 
of, of, of your actions and your character and your attitudes that are planting seeds in other people watch us okay and I want to say this not only do people watch us our family watches us and see how we respond how we talk how we act and our overall character they may not be in church but they're watching us to see how we respond to things see how we our, our languages and how we talk but every day we should be planting seeds because the first law of the harvest is the law of implantation that is if we're going to have a harvest we have to plant okay if you want to grow corn or wheat or barley or anything in your garden if you want something to grow you have to plant now I can till the ground in my backyard and let it go and say, well, I hope some tomatoes grow this year I can't wait for the tomatoes to grow but if I don't plant tomatoes guess what I get weeds I get nothing or right now I don't even have to plant corn because the squirrels are doing it for me I'm fine I, I, I put the corn on the cob on the feeders and I, I just find little sprouts of, of, of corn on the cob and I think I showed I showed my little corn on the cob that was growing on the side of the house that I just like grow. My next door neighbor Kevin laughing at me. You know you got a corn on the cob gro growing right here in your garden. Yeah, I'm just gonna let it go. <laughs> but besides the squirrels, if I don't plant it, it's not going to grow. So there's a a, a, a law that is in place, and we read in in uh, Mark uh, four twenty six. So the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed to the ground. So there can be no harvest until I plant a seed. Now let me let me put it this way. I think every one of us in this building right now can say that we are blessed. You may not like the situation you're in right now. There may be some things going on in your life that you're not comfortable with and you didn't plan for, that you didn't pray for. But let me say this. If you're here tonight, you're blessed. You're blessed. I, I was thinking as, as, as I was uh, uh, looking over, over this and, and just thinking about the goodness of God. And, and, and I heard that song coming home today. Every day I, I, will, I will sing of the goodness of God. We are blessed. And you may not have 100000 in your bank account right now. I don't think any of us does. But most of us have money in the bank account. It's more than a lot of people have. Most of us go home to a house, have a, a roof over our head, and that's a lot more than a lot of people around the world have. So uh, I, I want to know I am so grateful that I am saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, blood, blood that was poured out for me. Right now, I want to say I am grateful for everything that he has done for me. If I had zero amount in my bank right now, if I didn't have a house that I own, if I had none of that right now, I could say I'm blessed because of everything he's done for me. You ought to be thanking God every single day for saving grace. So we've been saved. We've been sanctified. We have, we've been Holy Ghost filled. We ought to be grateful for that. 
and we ought to be grateful for the church that God has given us, for, for, for this beautiful building, just to be a part of, of this great church family. I'm blessed and I'm thankful for that. And I'm very blessed and grateful to be American. And you should be too. Because those are blessings. We're saved. God died on the cross for, for you personally. We're a member of a, of a great church, of a great organization. I'm very grateful for the United Pentecostal Church. We have problems. Don't get me wrong. We're not perfect because we are imperfect people. I may not agree with everything that, that the district puts into place. I may not agree with everything and how they do things, but I tell you what, where the rubber meets the road, I'm grateful for our organization. I'm grateful for men of God that have put into me, that have put into this church and, and all across this state and all across this country. I'm very grateful for the hard work. And I want to say uh, uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I don't know if you've seen or not. Adam Heil, my nephew. He didn't get the, the youth president of the, uh, of, of the year across the country, but he did get runner-up. And I say that's close enough. That's close enough. We had a record, record uh, offering and and I do want to just put this out there. We will be. I told Adam we'll send in some money. So this, this weekend, I want you to be in prayer about it. We will be uh, taking up a Move the Mission offering. And whatever the church gives, I said we would we would uh, give that. Uh, and we'll you know the church will give a little extra. But again, if we don't give, we're not blessed. So we're very, we're very, very blessed with with a great organization that if there's any trouble, if I should, Lord have mercy, if I should ever do something wrong, that the church organization stands ready to step in to protect the church to make sure that you will have somebody behind this pulpit that will be preaching the gospel. Don't worry, I don't plan on messing up anytime soon. I don't plan on going anywhere. But we are very blessed. You are very blessed. There are, there are laws that have been put in place. Let me say this. And I think Brother Wilson has, has stated this time and time again. The laws that are in place with our government right now, the way America is blessed right now is because many years ago, there were men that sailed across the ocean with the very thing that we want to serve a God. We want to put godly principles in place. So when, when they came to America for the very first time and set up a government, a lot of the laws that were put in place and the way they uh, governed America was based on biblical laws. And God blessed that, and America has been blessed. We have seen America became great, not because of anything we did, but God was honoring his word by blessing America because we were honoring God. In God we trust was the very basis of why our country was started. So we're very blessed of, uh, of seeing how our, our, our country has been blessed all these years. But I'm very appreciative to be able to live in a country that if I want to make something of myself, I can do that. I can be as successful as I want to be, or I can be a bum on the street if I want to be. That's my choice. So when I see people complaining that they, they uh, don't have an, an, an opportunity to make something of themselves, I, I say you have just as much of an opportunity to go out and get a job as I have. You have just as much of an opportunity to make something of yourself 
as I have. Now, I get it. There are different, different people are in different, different arenas than I am. I didn't have to live on the street. I had a father that, that worked very hard to get every penny, and he provided for me. He bought me my first car. It was not a Lexus. I go by the high school, and I am just shocked by some of the cars these kids are driving. I'm like, where are these parents working? You know, these brand new cars and souped up cars. I'm like, you know, I had a 73 Monte Carlo. Brother Wilson, the hood went from me to you. We could fit the whole youth group in that car. It was amazing. And would run out of gas at half a tank. I don't know why. <laughs> it made for an interesting ride. But Dad spent 500 bucks for my first car. I said I wanted to go to private school. He wasn't in agreement with me. But he spent the money and put me through private school. And then to his, his delight when I said I wanted to go back to public school so I could learn HVAC, he was okay with that too. But he worked very hard to provide for his family. Very hard. In fact, before I came along, he was working second and third shift, come home to uh, make sure the kids are up and ready and get them off to school and have breakfast for them so he can get some sleep, so he can do it all over again. So I learned through him how to take care of my wife, and I learned through him how to take care of my family and how to provide for them. So I didn't have all of that where, where you know, we just had absolutely nothing. We, we had a house. We didn't have the best of things. We didn't have new cars. Uh, Kmart was the brand shoes that I used to wear. While everybody was wearing Nikes and all the main things, I was wearing whatever Dad bought me. Everybody had Wrangler jeans or, or Levi jeans. I, I had whatever Kmart sold at the time. I was delighted when Dad said, we're going to go get you some cool clothes. Dad, can I go? Can we go to the mall? <laughs> the mall. I remember my first Jordache shirt I, I wore. I had Jordache across. Remember that one? Jordache was the main thing. Jordache jeans and Jordache. I had a Jordache shirt, man, and I wore that like I was just big model on, uh, on town, on campus. Because I thought I was it, wearing my Jordache and, and uh, putting on the, the old man's old spice aftershave. Look out, women. Here I come. <laughs> I couldn't afford my own clothes. I had to wear with the old high karate. You remember that, huh? High karate. Used to be a commercial. Ah! Yeah, I smelt like I was 50 years old. I was only 16 or 17, but that's what I did, man. I didn't know you were supposed to put just a little dash on, man. I'm all over, man. You smelt me coming. But I thought I was it, man. But we are blessed. We are very blessed in this church. This church has been blessed by God. So I was thinking of, 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 of reading and, and meditating on this, on, on the laws of harvest. And, and, and Bud put up John chapter number 4, and we'll start with verse 35, and we'll read on down to verse 38. You not say there's still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Let's become aware. Look, the, the, the fields, they are, they're already white for harvest. Here we are waiting for the harvest. Here we are praying for revival. And God's trying to wake the church up and say, look, you're in harvest. There's a harvest waiting. Okay? Next verse. And he who reaps receives wages 
Isn't that interesting? We think that we're sowing. We should get it, but we'll get on to that. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. First, next verse. For in this saying is true, one sows, another one reaps. Okay, we are blessed both ways by sowing and we are reaping for what we already have sown. Okay, God blesses you. God keeps very detailed notes of what we do for him. Next verse, bud. Verse 38. Is that up there? I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you've entered into their labors. So I ask a question. Because I was not here. Did anybody help build this platform? Larry did. Okay? There were some that were here when this building was purchased. There were some that were here that put in blood, sweat, and tears to transform this from what it was into what it is now. I know for a fact that Brother Rose had his hand up here. Not only behind the pulpit, but his blood, sweat, and tears helping the construction. In fact, if if my memory serves me correctly, he actually hurt his back working on this church. That kind of started him, his decline, and started him not, not pastoring here anymore. But you see, there was a lot of people that, that put their, their blood, sweat, and tears into this. And I'll go back even further before we even moved into this building. There was a lot of preachers that have come into this town who pastored the United Pentecostal Church before I was even thought of coming up here. So we are benefiting. I am benefiting from the blood, sweat, and tears. I am benefiting from everything that they sowed. I am now reaping. I am here now because of them. You say, well, God had this all. Yeah, God had his hand in it. But you see, because somebody else put their blood, sweat, and tears is why we're enjoying it. Brother Larry and, 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 and a lot of men uh, put their time into to building this. I think Brother Warren, I'm sure, had his hand in it because they took their time to help put the, uh, the walls up and the drywall and Brother Simpson with the sound and with the, with the uh, uh, HVAC and all this. This just didn't. I've had people, you know, we, we let our minds wander about a new building. Get out of this building, okay? Which will be great in time. But until that happens, we will take care of what God has given us. And then when that time comes, oh, we want to be out on Deerfield and, and put a new building out there. And I'm thinking to myself, unless we have about 500 people, because how many people do we have right now that can devote time into putting drywall up? No, none of us can. We work. And I can't work, you know, the, the schedule I have and be out of town and come back and work 12 hours till, till early in the morning. I couldn't physically do it. There's a lot of people that physically do it. You have, you have a job. And let's face it, a lot of us are not in the physical shape to be on stilts putting drywall up 20 feet in the air for five hours straight. We just can't do it. 
So we'd have to contract all of that work out. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of this, you know, it's great to have a vision. I, I would like a new building uh, out of this area and in, and in Deerfield. But the, the thing that would have to take place for us to get to that position, we're not there yet. So we will continue to, to operate out of here and make the best of it. And when the Sunday schools grow and when everything else starts to grow, it's going to be tough of housing all these kids and trying to figure out where we're going to put this class and this class and this grade and that grade. We will deal with that when the time comes. But if we don't start planning for it and we don't start putting the seeds out and, and get ready for the harvest, so everything we do with the church, we have to be thinking growth. We have to be thinking of harvest. So I've heard people, well, why are we spending $1,000 for bounce houses? To some, that seems like that's just a waste of money. That that was just, you know, the whole downtown and the kids' the kids' day and all this. That, that's $1,000 that we could have put to something here. That's $1,000 that we could have used for. But you understand, you, don't, you didn't see the kids that came through. So Jessica, you're, you were there most of the time. We had a lot of kids. In fact, that was the big draw. Bounce house that was as tall as this the ceiling. That was the big draw of getting people down to our community day and down. And we handed cards out. They saw on a lot of different things that we did. So to you, the, you're thinking that that's kind of a waste of money. No, I look at it as this. That's an investment. Anybody here have any investments? You got money put away in something? 401k, stocks? I don't look at my stocks. But they're there. They're there. It's an investment. I have money taken out every paycheck that I, that I divest into several different things. It's an investment because I know someday I'm going to get something back out of it. Okay? We put that money into community day, and we put that money into uh, into the kids' day because that's an investment in the harvest. We never know when somebody might pull out that card someday. You know, I was thinking about a new church. I was thinking about, and you never know. I say this. Brother Joe's a keen example of what happens when we get out in community. And now because we've gotten Brother Joe, how many has ever noticed that Brother Joe likes to talk? In case you haven't noticed, Brother Joe can talk. He can carry a conversation. It, he can go up to anybody and just stand there for an hour and, and talk to him. I don't know if you notice that or not, but he can talk. How many people can that one man reach? He's already planning on taking on his own of doing a, a parade by himself. He's not worried if I get involved. He's not worried if the youth or, or the kids get involved. He's just going to put Levi in the back of a tractor and put your on and out he goes. Who knows how many people that one guy is going to come in contact with. So we invested in him. He, in turn, is going to invest in others. And someday we'll start seeing the results of that. It's an investment. You want to know why I put my, my, my sacrifice, I put my tithe in, I put my sacrifice in? I don't look at it, this is what God requires of me. That's an investment. Investing in the kingdom. Investing in the kingdom. So we have to look at what we're doing as an investment. 
So we, we, we sow together and we reap together. And, and our scripture in John says there's wages that come. In other words, we're going to receive a benefit someday of our investment. If I live long enough to be able to draw Social Security, if it's still around, to be able to cash in that 401k and spend it, it's going to come in handy. But right now, I'll continue. Because if I tell the owners, you know what, stop my 401k. Just stop it. Just give me the money now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to blow it. There's going to be arcade games to buy. I'm done, by the way. I'm finished. I'm out of room. Listen to all you naysayers and doubters. I know the Lord made me eat my own words, and I had to ask forgiveness and all this, because now I keep telling the kids, you know what? There's a lot more room over where the man cave site is, and I can re- I could get three rows of arcade games down that way. And still have room for that skee-ball table. But that's a lot of work, so I haven't gone that direction yet. But if I don't invest in my 401k, guess what? I'm not going to have that. It's not going to come back to me. So we, we look at it as, as an investment. I have no problem. You know, some, I was talking to my mother-in-law uh, yesterday. To her and talking about my wife and, and, and everything was going on and I just told her she goes John she really loved you and you spoiled her right you know what I like to do I like to I like to spoil her that was what I that was me I didn't mind spending money on her I didn't mind I don't mind spending money on my kids because you know what I look at is an investment because you get back what you put into it. If I put nothing into my marriage, if I put nothing into my kids, guess what I grew up with? A family that's... I enjoy the closeness of my family. I enjoy the closeness of that, the, the intimate relationship I have with my wife. I, you want that baby? I'll buy it for you, no problem. That's who I was. I looked at it as an investment. And I look at things we do around the church... I take people back there to the conference room, <laughs> and I take people back to the Sunday to the offices, and I still don't believe. It. You know, we used to live back there. How in the world did we live in? How did four people live, breathe, and sleep in this little square footage without killing each other? You know why? Because we looked at it as an investment. And I said, I'll do. I, You know, don't open your mouth and say to God, whatever it takes. Because he held my feet to the fire with that statement. Because I remember a little RV that was sitting out back here for, for a few years. How we would come and live in that in the weekend. And then when Allison... Uh, decided she wanted to go to school up here and make Pontiac her home, my wife came up to live with her in that RV. In fact, Larry, they called you one night because here they are living in this. And, I mean, you could hear people in the street just talking and carrying on a conversation. It was great for the nosy busybodies. What are they saying? But there was no, you know, 
that's where they live, not the safest. They thought they heard noises, so Larry was the only one. Hey, can you go check on my check on my family? Make sure they're okay. I'm down in Clinton, so I'm I'm nowhere near. But we lived in that little thing in the winter time, freezing cold. You you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Guess what? You got to get out of the RV in the snow through the church to the bathroom and then back. And I still laugh thinking that I had to be in the shower early Sunday morning because I knew there was going to be people that are going to be coming at any time. In fact, we had a little lock on the women's restroom door. Remember that, ladies? And and Sister Sister Teresa one time. I, it was early in the morning. I, I'm just sitting here in my, my underbunders, and I'm just prepping and drying my hair, and boom, she just burst right in, and I'm like, I'm here. Oh, Yeah, so, you know, I got to get to church early. I got to get started a little earlier. But that was the conditions we lived in. Why? Because I looked at it not as an inconvenience, not as I don't like, why am I putting my children through this? It's because we were investing in the kingdom. Whatever it takes to have church and whatever it takes to, 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 to be up here and to be thriving. So I look at everything that we do around here. Every penny that we spend is an investment in the kingdom. Because the law of the harvest is if we don't plant, if we don't invest, we get nothing back. Sister Teresa, I was just talking about you bursting in on me on the restroom. She had to annul that implanted a an, an image that she forever never wants to see again. Because let me see, the sheep are not supposed to see the shepherd in his underwear. That's a that's a given law. <laughs> so, <laughs> I read this, and it is so true. Uh, that was read. If you suffer without succeeding, it will mean later on that someone else would succeed without suffering. And I thought of that saying because one of the worst fears I had of leaving Brower Supply back in the day was I'm going to leave. You know what? All these accounts that I started and all these accounts that I got going are going to become really successful. And the, the new salesman coming in is going to reap the benefits of, of all the hard work that I started. But I'll read that again. If you suffer without succeeding, it will mean later on that someone else may succeed without suffering. Again, a lot of men put in a lot of hard work in this church that I am being successful and, and blessed by. Or he said, if you succeed without suffering, it is because somebody else has suffered. But there is no success without suffering. It's very interesting. Interesting. No success without suffering. Somebody pays the price. Brother Wilson, you and your family are paying the price to be successful. Larry, owning your business, you pay the price for being successful. You are putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of hard work to get and it has taken me in, in my territory. And there's still, there's still a lot of, of, of the uh, acreage of Illinois that I have yet to tap. But so far, God has blessed my business more than I have ever expected. And in fact, today alone, I tried to get out of my branch at 1 o'clock. I ended up leaving at 3.30 because it was new customer after new customer after potential customer, potential customer. Thinking, God, thank you for this. Thank you. But it took a lot of hard work to get me from where I was at $800,000 a year branch to the $2 million that we're poised to do this year. 
It took a lot of hard work. When me alone, I, I got a good team now. But you understand, it takes a lot of suffering and a lot of hard work that you have to invest and put in in order to reap the benefits. John said, and I didn't, I didn't write this down, but, but John wrote this, except the corn of grain or corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone, but, but it dies so it can bring forth much fruit. There are times where I feel like I'm killing myself. I, 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 I don't want your kind of hours. And I don't want, you know, it, it's bad enough driving a truck and, and being a fat out of shape salesman taking people out for dinner. I may have to lift a furnace or two. I don't have to put in the hours. And I don't have to do all the hard work of lifting a, a sofa over my head and walking it into a house. But there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. But it does take time. And I'm thankful that 2,000 years ago that that somebody died and went into a tomb and rose again triumphant so that we can be triumphant and victorious. So, uh, yeah, see, I, I got five different laws to go over, and I'm not even finished with the first one yet. <laughs> so we woke up today, and uh, we realized that we're blessed. I'm blessed to be an American. I'm blessed to be a pastor of True Tabernacle. And I'm blessed that, that God has saved me. We are enjoying some many great things of, of, of what God has done and is doing. Well, let's, I got, I've got time to move on. So we got, we got the first law. Uh, the next one is implantation. And what that m- means is there is a law that is in place uh, that we will reap what we sow but we will reap the same thing as we sow. If I plant corn, I can guarantee I'm not going to get tomatoes. And I love tomatoes, right? So if I plant corn, guess what I'm going to get out of the ground? Corn. Same thing with tomatoes or anything. Her sister Nichols has been blessing me with more okra than I could ever eat in a year's time. And cucumbers and tomatoes and Lord has blessed her her garden this year, and thank you for it, my BLTs. Brother Zachary made some okra the other night for his birthday. That oh man, going to town. But she planted okra, and guess what she got out of it? A bountiful supply of okra. So we we reap what we put in, exactly what we get back, what we're putting into it. Okay, so you got the thinking of this, and. Uh, this is amazing of, put up Genesis chapter number one. You know, you hear a lot of people, and they're trying to push this into our schools now, of, of the whole evolution thing. And, and uh, you know, it takes a lot of faith to believe in evolution. It really does. To believe that I came from some monkey. But, but, but watch this. Watch what, and, and this kind of disproves the whole evolution thing, but uh, Genesis chapter number, no, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields what? Fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. Next verse, bud. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed, according to its kind. So a strawberry, guess what, is bearing strawberries. Grapes are bearing grapes. And the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So he already started the earth 
and grass is producing grass. The fruit trees are producing fruit, and man is producing man after its own kind. We are producing. We are getting back likeness of what has been put in. So we have to understand that there is a law of implantation. So that means there is a locked-in likeness. In other words, a strawberry is not going to bear something that is not a strawberry. It can't. It's bearing its own kind. So I, I want the church to understand this, that there is a law of giving and receiving. And I have found this out to be true. You want to be blessed, you give. Not, no, no, I know, everybody's tightening up. Here he goes, he's going to ask for money again. I will Sunday, but not tonight. But it's here if you want to give and sacrifice and watch what God does. The scripture says, if you want friendship, what do you got to do? You want love, you got to give what? Okay. So what you put into it is what you will get back. If you want love, you give love. We show love, and that reciprocates. That's how unconditional love is built. I love you, you love me. No I begged. I don't know what you're thinking, Sister Sanchez, but watch it. I don't base my love, Sister Sandy, on what you bake for me. I'll take it. But whether she bakes for me or whether she doesn't bake me anything, I love her. Okay? Now, the love for my wife wasn't based on if she's got my house. She's got my, my pants ironed up very, very nice with a nice little crease. No crease, no love. No. no. Whether she ironed my clothes or she didn't, my love didn't change for her. Now, whether my kids are, are listening to me and minding me and, and doing their chores or not doing their chores was not based on how much love I give them. I gave them love. They give me love back. So what you put into something is what you are going to get back. That's why I put so much effort in time in my family, in my wife, in my kids, in this church. We can start singing the Barney song, I love you, you love me. Crazy, weird family. But that's how the kingdom of God works. And it all comes from a God who started loving us and showing us love. Because even when I didn't know him, and even when I wasn't obeying him, he continued to show me his love. So that's my measuring stick of where I'm at. Am I showing love the way he loved? Am I treating his flock the way he would treat his flock? So it's, that's the way things work. Listen to this. I found this interesting. And I found this on Focus on the Family. And it, it is so true of, of how our society is now. That if a child lives with criticism, he learns to criticize. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. 
If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns to be confident. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns how to have faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, he learns how to find love in the world. And that is so true because we reap in our children what we sow. So many times, do you know what a juvenile delinquent is? He is a child trying to live just like his parents. Hit me right, right between the eyes. What we put in our children is what they eventually start to become. We put in and we receive. One more. Because this was included in how many ever used to read those little daily breads that kind of spread out throughout? There's little little booklets that has like a scripture and uh, stories. This was in the found this in the little in the daily bread. It says one day when Junior was 14, he noticed his father wearing a happy grin as he came home from the office. He got nabbed for a speeding ticket, but Jake down at the city hall got the ticket fixed for him, he said. So when Junior was 15, he was with his mother in the family car when she backed into a tree. The damage was far more than $100. She told Junior, we'll say somebody rammed us in, in, the, in the back while we were parked downtown, and that way we'll collect insurance for it. And when the boy was 16, he listened to his grandpa uh, reminiscing about the good old days of rationing when he made all kinds of money uh, black marketing cars and getting cash under the table. That same night, Uncle John was bragging that on a good share of his business, he, he sent no bills and received no checks, just cash. What a sucker. Uh, Why well, be a sucker, he said, and, and let those guys in internal revenue get all the money, he asked. And when Junior turned 18... The family pulled every string to get him a paid scholarship at a coveted Ivy League school. They even lied about the family income to make it seem as though the family needed financial assistance. And then when uh, Junior had a rough time scholastically, an upperclassman sold him the answers to a calculus examination. Junior was caught, Junior was expelled, and when he returned home, his mother burst into hysterical weeping over the disgrace that he had caused. How could you have done this to me? We did not raise you like this. So all he seen all was lies, deception, and deceit. So how did Junior grow up to be? The exact same way. They were reaping exactly what they sold into their child. You see, there's a locked-in likeness. We get back what we put into it. But that's just not on the negative side. That's positive side. Again, we sow love. We get back love. I always say this. You know the way to get what you need? Give it. You need love? Give love. You need a financial blessing? 
give it. I heard it time and time again. No. Keep all the money you can. Keep all the money in the bank. Keep it in my pocket. Keep it, you know, go bury it out in a jar in the backyard. Keep, 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 keep. No, I found this out to be true. When I gave to God out of my heart, remember, you give it grudgingly. You're not going to get it back. I found, it's, this said, God loves a cheerful giver. I found this translation that said, God loves a hilarious And I'll end with this. You heard it said, give till it hurts. You ever heard that? I don't like that. I don't like that reading. Um, give till it hurts. Because if it hurts you to give it, you're not giving it cheerfully. Sister Wilson, if I'm giving your husband one of my arcade games and I'm I'm crying and I'm screaming and I'm doing it begrudgingly, it's not really giving it out of a cheerful heart now, is it? But I say this, give until it feels good. If it hurts you to give, you're not giving out of pure heart. I enjoy giving. I enjoy being able to help. I enjoy, that's why I said spoil, spoil my girl. I didn't have a problem with that. I enjoyed that giving. It does not pain me to invest in the kingdom. It does not pain me. So I say give until you're happy to give. Even if it's only, if all you can afford is $2, don't you feel, don't you feel bad about this is all my God. You put that $2 in and be thankful and cheerful. And you watch how God turns that around and blesses you. You watch it. Remember, scripture says, God says, try it. So if you're, if you're uh, struggling financially, it's not God's fault. Give, and you will get back. Stand with me. We'll finish this up next time I'm able to teach. The law of the harvest. Church, we are in revival. We are in revival. Continue to reach out. I, I, I grabbed me some of those uh, grateful cards from the from the welcome center, and I'm, I'm going to try that. I've never done the whole pay it forward thing before. I've had it done where I was kind of forced to. Ever done that? Somewhat. Well, somebody paid for your meal. A guy up in the front. I could have been a jerk and just taken it and drove off. But you're kind of okay. I'll pay for the guy behind me. Well, I want to do that without somebody starting it. I want to start that. And I want to make it a point to do that. Uh, many of you know I like I like going to the car wash and cleaning my car and getting it all nice. So I started I'm not going to tell you when I do it because you're going to go take the change from me. Uh, and I found out that if you put the quarters in the and I'll be so glad when uh, Sister Jessica, what, what Where's your daughter work? What's it called now? I don't either. It's not BP and, and Shell. Somebody bought it. Um, but they're going to turn where BP is now into like those club car washes, what you go in Bloomington, where you go through the car wash and they, they spray those bugs off the front of your car and they clean it. You drive through and then you go and you got all of the vacuum that 
but you just pull right up and you you can vacuum your car for free and they give you the racks, they give you all the cleaners, so your car's spotless. I want one of those. But until then, I got to put up with the car wash here in town. And I found out if you put, if, it, it takes 250 I think, to start the car wash. And you get so many minutes, a minute or two, whatever it is, and then it gets down to 60 seconds and it starts making that dinging sound, letting you know, hey, you're running out of time, knucklehead. You need to put more money in me. I found out if you swipe your debit card or credit card, that it starts counting by the second. So one second is one penny, two cents, three cents, four cents. Man, you have never seen a guy go through that whole car. I will start, I will hose that thing off with the soap and hurry up and crank it to the foaming brush and clean that thing off and click it to the wax and and rinse it all off and under, right around three minutes, baby, the whole thing. I got it timed. And if it's like 320, it bumps it up to 350. So, But I'm going to start, I would leave quarters there. So if I get $5 of coins and I got, it only took me three, leave $2 there for and bless somebody with it. That's how easy it is to bless. That's how easy it is to start the law of the harvest, to give. It, it cost me a whole $2. That's nothing. That's what? That's not even a coffee at some of these frou-frou coffee places. <laughs> even McDonald's, I don't, even, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know how much a cup of coffee costs you anymore. But that's the law of the harvest. You give, and you'll get back. Now, I'm not doing it, so... But God says, if you give, you will get back. And a lot of the blessings aren't financial, although I'm thankful for those. To be able to sleep at night with peace, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for the example that you have set for us in the giving of love, the giving of yourself. Lord, may we catch on to that and understand there is a law of the harvest of how can I give myself to somebody? How can I sacrifice for somebody? Lord, how can I love somebody? Thank you for everything you've done for the church. God, thank you for blessing this church. Lord, when we thought our backwards was to the wall, you came through and you have blessed this church. Thank you for blessing your people. God, we give you all the praise and glory.